How are y'all doing? I'm Paul Ryan, your host of the Across the Cowboys podcast. We are part of the Across the Board Sports Podcast family. I'd like to give a big shout out to our listeners. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. And so our regular listeners, welcome back. With me, as always, as my co-host, the greatest co-host in the world, Mike the Pig Crumb. Mike, how are you? Doing good, man. We made it out of 2020. So that's a that's a positive. And and 2021 started uh, a lot better than 2020 was at all. You know, uh, uh, not having to watch that Eagles debacle. Can you imagine if we won that game and then watch the Eagles like, now nah, we're good. You know, that had been so frustrating as a as a giant, you know, being a Giants fan and having to watch that. Like, oh, shoot, we really never had a chance from the get-go. They were never really going to try to win. So, you know, 2021's been good. We, we get a better draft pick. We're a top 10 pick. We're 10th instead of, like, 14th if we win. We didn't have to watch that shit show like Giants fans did. And uh, we even kept Kellen Moore. Uh, you know, we didn't let him go to Boise State. We re-signed him up. So... 2021 yes it's starting better thank god knock on wood yeah mike you know it's a bit bittersweet because i was really hoping that the cowboys would you know with the run that we were on i was hoping we would we would be able to take the next step and you know hopefully get into the playoffs of course that didn't happen but you know you mentioned kellen moore resigning kellen moore i like that and then that that looks like it's gonna have a big impact on on Dak's future here with the cowboys i really like that but you know, I'm curious. What were your thoughts on uh, Philadelphia benching Hurts in there in the fourth quarter? Well, I mean, they were they they were trying to keep their draft pick. Let's go crazy. I don't think they, you know, I didn't think they expected it to be that close with everybody out. They didn't realize how poor uh, the Washington football team also was. And mm-hmm. uh, man, you know, Hurts was just making plays. He scored both their touchdowns with his legs. Yeah, so he was making too many plays and. And I think they set it up that way because before the game, he was saying, I wanted to get, you know, Nate Sudfeld some snaps so I could see him play. Doug Peterson had mentioned before the game. And I think that was more of a setup that, you know, that way, if it is a blowout, you know, it's no big deal. We get our guy out and you don't have to worry about him getting injured, you know, mobile quarterback, all that stuff. You don't want to mess with his legs. Mm -hmm. But also if it was close, then you, you, you know, you had a reason to take, you know, the playmaker out and put in Sudfeld who you knew had no chance. So, you know, the, it was, it was smart move. You know, we normally don't see like straight up tanking like that, like out in the obvious open. Right. But, um, but if you look, they got the sixth pick in the draft and I don't know, maybe if they won, it would have dropped them down a little bit. So now they're right in that range where if they believe the right quarterbacks there, they, they, it might fall to him. Um, they can get, probably their pick of the top wide receivers. Uh, if they want to go that way, they can get their pick of the top corner uh, likely at that spot. And, uh, you know, and then trade back. If the right quarterback drops or the right player drops and somebody wants to move up, they're in prime position. So it was a smart move overall for the team. But, you know, hearing hearing that, that Kelsey center, you know, talk, a couple weeks ago about how you play every game to win and yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada, horse shit. And then you're, yeah. you're the team that comes out and, and puts that on display uh, on a game. They flexed, you know, mm-hmm. to, yeah. to make it, you know, like it mattered. That, right. was a, that was a shitter for the league. You know, there's a narrative going around that because of where they're drafting that Philadelphia should consider taking a quarterback. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah. Especially if they can get, um, I, I think, I think Hertz is he can run and everything, but I, I don't think, you know, that as, as you get tape on Hertz, you see flaws more and more in his games. Um, he was a second round pick. If they want to develop him, I, I mean, they can, but they're going to be uh, with, with cap problems for a little bit. And he's only three more years compared to you'd have five with a, a top pick. And I don't think, you know, if, if, if Zach Wilson drops, I just don't think they're comparable prospects. Zach William Wilson's such a better prospect than Jalen Hurts. And then Wentz, obviously, he didn't. Even, they didn't even schedule a to go home uh, thing for Wentz. He didn't meet with the media. He didn't meet with the uh, coaches to end the year. That's the report from Chris Mortensen. So I'm I'm pretty sure. And and the the report is that he's going to ask for a trade. So you know that's done and over with, and they're begging to get out of that contract. And then, 
you know, do you want to put your next four years on Jalen Hurts? You know, whether you're Doug Peterson, who's who's never missed the playoffs till this year, but is going for his job, which is please fire him uh, as a Cowboys fan. But uh, also, if you're a new coach coming in, would you rather have your guy that you could draft at six, or do you want to have a a three more years of Hurts before you have to pay him? And if he's good, you probably got to pay him in two years. So, yeah, if, if I'm them and the right quarterback drops, I'm I'm likely making the move. Now, if I don't like the quarterback, there's a lot of value for that six pick, and mm-hmm. you can go from there. But I'm definitely not like, oh, I have too much money and too much draft capital in the quarterback position. That that position's too important to to maneuver that. Like Cowboys with linebackers, I can go, well, we have a first and a second in there. They're going to see how that plays out because we put too much into it already. You know, let's not get a you know our tenth pick on another off-ball linebacker. Let's try to improve the team around them and make the linebackers better. Uh, but quarterback, you can't do that. If your quarterback's there, you go get your quarterback. See Arizona, Josh Rosen next year, Kyler Murray. You know, you you just have to. It's it's a different position. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of think when you have a guy like Jalen Hurts who who's a mobile quarterback, and there were some throws last night that I that I thought were some good um, NFL throws. There, I, I know that uh, his accuracy is a big question of his. You know, in terms of you know when people evaluate him, but. I think when you have a quarterback on that kind of a deal that if you can just put the right pieces around him and develop him, well, you know, why not do that? I mean, you mentioned the, uh, the value of that pick six or the, the sixth overall pick there. You know, I can understand that that's a good spot to take a quarterback if you like a guy, but you know, at the same time, I, I feel like Philadelphia, if they do decide to keep Doug Peterson, that they've got a team and a good coaching staff to where they could trade that, acquire more picks and, you know, build that defense and get some more help on the offensive line. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the, the type of coach that Doug Peterson is. I, I think he could really work with, with Hertz. Yeah, with their cap issues, they're, they're going to need to get a lot of picks. That could be a strategy that they use trade down out of that six and try to to build up a couple more guys because they're so over the cap that they're just going to have – they're going to need um, cheap labor. They're going to need cheap, good guys. The problem is they don't draft very well either. So it, it's it's a tough situation for them. They're, they're, Howie Roseman's poor when it comes to drafting people. I mean, just Arcega, Whiteside compared to DK Metcalf, Rieger compared to Justin Jefferson – um, you can go through his line. Derek Barnett was pretty much a bust. He wasn't very good pick. Um, you know, Fletcher Cox was one of his home runs. Carson Wentz, he had one good year, but let's be honest. I mean, they're trying to trade him now and he's, what is it? His fifth year. That's a bust. And he traded up to get him. you know? So, uh, not, not a good team at drafting, um, it, it just it's a it's great for Cowboys fans. It's yeah. I, I love to drink the tears of pain from this situation, but they're going to be in cap purgatory for a couple of years. Cap cap is a myth, but there also is limits to the myth. You know, you can't just uh, keep piling on this stuff. They're going to have to rearrange some of the contracts, and mm-hmm. and by doing that, you're keeping like if you rearrange Fletcher Cox's contract you're basically guaranteeing him he's going to be there for the next two years. What well, do you want to do that at his age? You know, say what we want. He's a great player, but he's also had, he's not the player he was, you know, people were like, he's an Aaron Donald type player. And now it's like, Oh yeah, he's a good D tackle. Like mm-hmm. he's not an elite D tackle anymore. Right. So, you know, uh, uh, do you want to maneuver his restructure, his contract, to where basically you're you're you would eat too much than the year after um doing it you would have to keep him for the two years do you want to do that with slay you know what did hardgrave show you i i thought the hardgrave signing was awesome i wanted dallas to get him did not work out uh, ended up being a bad signing what do you want to do with him you know so zach Ertz and 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 kelsey and wentz were on the field an hour after the game was over you know, before they left and it was basically like they were going, all right, this is, all, you know, this is our last year together. Wentz is going to be traded or Ertz is likely gone and mm. Goddard will be the guy. You're not going to pay two tight ends, you know, and they, and they used uh, a first or second rounder on Goddard. So 
you know, it, it is what it is. They're going to be in trouble. So they could use some for, for, for that. But I think you just, it, you need to get the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if, and if you get one, that's a, the guy, if you can get one of those top three guys, Wilson fields, or somehow, I don't know how they would get Trev, but if you can get one of those top three guys and it happens to land that way, yeah, it might be a CD lamb thing where you just go, I can't pass this up. I know I have a lot of uh, stuff put into the, to the quarterback position, but the position is just too important. You have to find your guy there. If you find your guy there, the cost doesn't matter. Even if it costs you a second round pick in Hertz, it costs you a first in Wentz, it costs you 30 million you paid Wentz a year, and you got to eat some of that in cap. All that does not matter if you hit on the quarterback. If you get him any hits, the cost isn't going to matter because you're going to have a, a, a QB for 15 years. So what is what is Mike Crum's reaction if Philadelphia pulls off a blockbuster trade? They trade Carson Wentz and pick one six to Jacksonville Jaguars, and they acquire Justin Fields. What is Mike the pig Crum? How is he reacting? They they move up to the first overall pick. Yeah, and they don't take Trevor Lawrence, and the, and they take Justin Fields instead. I would go. That's Howie. That's Howie Roseman. That is what he does. That would be another Rieger. Uh, over Jefferson, another Asega uh, Whiteside over uh, over DK Metcalf. That would just be another epic fail. If you moved up to the first spot, you have to get Trevor Lawrence. I oh, mean, I was under the impression you didn't really care for Trevor Lawrence. So, what's your reaction if they draft Trevor Lawrence? That's why I said Justin Fields. Uh, good move up to get him. He's a good quarterback. I don't. I don't. I I don't dislike Trevor Lawrence. I just think quarterbacks are overvalued. Now him, I would probably get, but like Justin Fields, I think's good. But I don't have him way ahead of Zach Wilson. Like the the position is so is so overvalued. Not mm-hmm. that's not true. the 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 position is valued correctly, right? Because the position is valued correctly, the draft prospects are overvalued. So you get a lot of draft prospects that move up into the top picks that really aren't in that range mm-hmm. when you look at the players, but because of the position, they go up that high. And I'm I'm 40, so I have that old school mindset of, oh, man, I want the best player. And so you're asking me to take, you know, Mitch Trubisky up there. And I'm like, that's not the guy. And you traded up to get him, like, because he's a quarterback, you know? And if you look at guys like, Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes, when they were drafted, they were drafted like 10, 11. That's where I was like, oh, that's great draft picks. And not just because the players are good. You know, we don't we don't know what Deshaun Jackson's going to end up being. He hasn't done anything, you know, yet in his career. Obviously, Mahomes is a stud, but we'll keep it Deshaun Jack Deshaun Watson, right? Uh-huh. He went about I had him valued around the 10th, and he went around there. You know, yeah. he, he's and this year, I would probably have Trevor Lawrence would be my my number one pick. But I don't think Justin Fields or Zach Wilson would be um, as high up there if you just take the position away and scouted the player and player graded them. But they're going to go higher. So, you know, I would say good move by them. If they can get out of Wentz's contract and move up and get uh, Trevor Lawrence, that would be like coup of the century, like, you know, uh, give them the the best GM of the year award, and then about it's about developing that QB. He could still fail because that happens constantly. We've seen it, you know, fifty percent of the time the first round quarterbacks fail. So, you know, you would have to say great job for moving up and doing that. I would be like great great move by the Eagles, but I also know they're in cap hell, and so when they get a young quarterback, it's going to be like, um, uh, you know, they've got to do some maneuvering. They can't just go out and sign a bunch of people because their quarterback's making no money, at least not for a year or two. So it'd be like a three-year move. In three years, I'd be like really scared if they develop their quarterback right and they built their salary cap right. In about three years, they'd be ready to make a big move uh, uh, for a contender. Yeah, you know, this conversation's actually inspired me for maybe a possible end of episode discussion this week or a future discussion. But, you know, Micah, we got to get into it. So while we do, remind everybody where we can find you out on Twitter. Yeah, that's crazy. We're 15 minutes in and I haven't even said at CD Piglet nice and easy. But it's the off season now, man. Like, like I know exactly. we're for Cowboys, we're in off season mode. So the, these talks are going to get like that. So, right. you know, 
I'm here for it. So uh, where can we find you on Twitter, Paul? Yes, sir. I am Paul Ryan, and you can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. Oh, Mike, it is Monday. I'm not sure how your level of depression is after after yesterday's loss, but of course, I'm, you know, we got to talk about Meatless Monday, and I want to know what was on the menu this week. And uh, the, the depression is non-existent. The, to be honest with you guys, you know, I we got to provide content on this pod every week. So I'm going to go out. I'm going to root for my team every week. I'm going to provide content. The season ended for me week five against the Giants. Mm-hmm. The minute Dak went out, that we were not winning a Super Bowl. I'm not one of those fans that are like, anything could happen. and get. That's not me. I knew the season was over. But I want to have fun with the season. Like, you only get 17 games and, and then whatever you do in the playoffs. I wanted them to win. I wanted them to get experience. But I never thought we were challenging for, for even an NFC title. You know, when we got in there against those good teams with Andy Dalton and, and this defense that, and the O-line we have, we're not contenders there. I'm proud of the team for what they were able to do with what they had and, and you know, in a shitty division, be able to go down to the last week making the games interesting. But it, it was over for me, so I'm not depressed. Um, I'll run through Meatless Monday quick because I know I set us back talking about the Eagles so much. I'm going to have uh, broccoli and cheese twice-baked potatoes. Mm. Um, and then I start my reset on Friday. So I'm just kind of getting back into the the groove. I took the holidays off. I'm getting back into the groove of, you know, I need to drink four bottles of water a day. I need to both flex three times a week. I need to, you know, walk to the store five times a week. You know, I'm, I'm getting back into the groove of all that. And, um, you know, I know, I know the reset's coming, but I'm excited for it. You know, the uh, broccoli and cheese baked potatoes does sound pretty good. I don't know if you guys have this. I imagine y'all do, but uh, there's a place, it's like a deli called Jason's Deli here in Texas that serves these like giant size, these Texas size baked potatoes. And they have one, uh, yeah, broccoli. It's like a broccoli and cheese soup. And then I'll, actually some some more fresh broccoli and then cheese served in a baked potato. I've never had one, but man, they do look good. Oh, broccoli cheese potatoes are really good. And then normally I would put bacon on it, but meatless Monday, so I can't, but. Man, pizza potatoes. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, you do marinara sauce with cheese mm-hmm. and then crispy pepperoni or prosciutto on it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we have those giant baked potatoes, uh, Sam's Club. You can get them, um, and you just kind of bake them as long as you want and then split them and make sure the inside's fluffy and put it in with whatever mix-up you want and then stuff it back in the potato and top it with cheese and Bake it till the cheese melts, and oh god, man, I'm hungry. I love a good baked potato, man. I don't eat them very often, but when you get a good one, you know, typically you go to a steakhouse and they've got the chives and the butter and the cheese and the bacon. Those are always so good. I can tell a place, man. If you neglect your skin of the potato, now I'm not saying you have to eat it. What I'm saying is, if I go to a restaurant and get something with a baked potato and they make it where I don't have the option to eat the skin. Mm-hmm. If it's just, oh, it's just baked. I yeah. like places that like season the skin, that mm-hmm. have it ready to like, maybe people don't even notice. You just eat the potato with the sour cream and the bacon and the butter or whatever on the inside. Yeah. But for me, I like to use a knife and fork and cut off if the skin is done right and it's crisp and they and they season it mm-hmm. and eat the the potato skin along with the baked potato i don't, I don't like leaving the skin left or nutrients in it mm-hmm. and you can make it taste amazing if you don't just think the baked potato is about the middle you right gotta have the whole thing i know my wife's her ex-boss um they ran a uh like a cafe at a, a local college here and he always rubbed the uh, baked potatoes and bacon fat and then baked them that's the way the skin matters people on the baked potatoes the skin matters and if you if you don't eat the skin the honest truth is you've probably never been to a place that or never noticed a place that really cooks the whole potato correctly you know Mm -hmm. yeah but but that's how i am i i cook it completely i'm not saying there's a bunch of time when i make mashed potatoes i i take the skin off the potato i'm not saying you have to eat the skin every time i'm saying that when you have a baked potato if it is done truly right they have they have taken care of the skin to where the skin tastes good and you eat it too. So check mm-hmm. that next time you go out, guys, and and then you can tell which ones uh, understand the full value of the potato. Yeah, I always like it when I go to a restaurant and there's that sea salt on the potato skin for sure. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> 
you know, Mike, stop me if you've heard this before. You know, I feel like we've even talked about this on the pod before, but, you know, are the coaches or the players to blame for the slow start and the most important game of the year? Uh, I'm going players, and for me, it's about the quarterback, Andy Dalton. Somebody told him we finally have an important game, and he turned back into Andy Dalton. He uh, he had to see a week of Twitter going wide. Rather, I even talked Gary. Uh, I can't remember his at, but his name is Gary Morris. I always tag him in the pods. And he was like, man, I just think uh, 30 million. There's not a 30 million dollar difference between Dalton and Dak. And I was just like, there is mm-hmm. before the game, before this game. I was like, no, there is. There is. There's a difference. Dak, yeah. Andy Dalton is not Dak Prescott. He's not 50 million. He's not within 50 million of Dak Prescott. He just isn't. And he turned back into the, you know, the, the Dalton. The, there's a reason he's never won a playoff game. You know, he's he's a solid player. Mm-hmm. But the offensive line, which is another reason I'm going to put it on the players, the offensive line wasn't great. And if the offensive line does not, like, give him confidence early especially, he shells it up, man. He starts looking at the pass rush. He was three for 16, 16 yards in the first quarter. The O-line gave up sacks on the first two third downs. Yes, Dalton held the ball, but the O-line was no good, guys. I mean, they, they played bad. They, they yeah, played they three three big, beefy, badass dudes up front for the Giants, and they got pushed around. Um, the defense also gave up seven on a quick drive. Same issues as always. Misdirection runs, attack linebackers and safeties and coverage. Uh, so they, they didn't play bad, which, you know, can be partly on the, on the coaches. I understand that, but that's, I'm just adding that in as then, you know, that they weren't, they didn't start out well players either. I'll give you a stat. I I told people, uh, John Owen put this stat out about pressures and I go, I can beat that stat. Listen to this stat. Okay. The New York giants had nine tackles for the loss. Dallas Cowboys only had three Mm. of the New York giants, nine tackles from a loss. All but one came from the front seven. McKinney's a safety. He came in like a blitz, and he got in there. All, the other eight, all their defensive line linebackers, making plays in the backfield. Of our three tackles for a loss, two of them were the safeties. Only Tank in our front seven caused a tackle for a loss. One tackle for a loss. Giants aren't juggernauts, people. They're one of the worst offenses in the league. They're next to last, next to the Jets. They averaged 17 points a game. We gave up 20 in the first half. Mm -hmm. I mean, one tackle from a loss from a front seven guy. Uh, That that blows my mind. Like, on a mistake, you should be getting some tackles Mm -hmm. for a loss. Like, it just shows our linebackers just have – and they're bad. But they also have no help up front. Like, no guys – penetrate and make moves other than tank and tank gets seven guys on like when he makes a tackle for a loss it's like a he is trying so hard to make a play but if he misses it outside contains break broken and and they go for 10 yards on the outside but he has to try that hard just to make a play because he's got to beat two three guys so you know not a tank thing tanks awesome there's a reason why he got one when he gets everybody's attention on every play but um, it just blows me away that we had three tackles for a loss, one Xavier Woods, one Donovan Wilson, one Tank. They had nine, eight of them for their front seven. And that's more normal. The, the tackles for a loss are supposed to be your defensive linemen, linebackers making plays. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, you don't safety blitz a lot enough to make, you know, Jamal Adams maybe is in that range. That's about it. So right. That's that just blew my mind, but that's why I have it players. And it's a percentage thing. It's not like it was all players. Coaches weren't great either, but I'd go 60, 40 players. And mainly it's because Dalton played crappy and Dalton's the QB and that, that sets everything up. So, so that's why I got it on players. You know, you're talking about the O-line, Mike. I thought Mike McGovern, excuse, excuse me, not uh, Mike McGovern, but I thought McGovern, Connor McGovern had probably his worst game of the season yesterday. Yeah, he did. He, he couldn't handle Tomlinson. Uh, Lawrence and Leonard Williams are three big ass defensive tackles that they have spread out through a line. Like they're not all three defensive tackles, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, 
it makes it it's so hard because I would take any one of those guys. Well, maybe not Leonard Williams. He's not a one technique, but I'd take Dexter or Tomlinson and throw him at my one technique and be the happiest person in the world. Mm -hmm. Like if you just gave me one of those two and put them there and we brought back Xavier Woods, gross, but bring him back. Cheeto, gross, but bring him back. And those were our starters. And you just gave me Tomlinson or Dexter Lawrence. I would be happy because I would be like, okay, we have a guy that they they have to double team in there or he will cause problems up front. And that is my main concern going into this offseason. They got to address that. And you can see the Giants. When you got big dudes like that, they mess shit up. Yeah, you know, I was that wasn't any disrespect to Connor McGovern because you you mentioned the pieces there on that defensive line. It's just when, when uh, I, he had been having a, a pretty good season, considering this is what essentially his rookie season, and then you know the biggest game of the year, and he has that type of performance that says a lot about the Giants' defensive line. But you know, his his perform his bad performance just came at the worst possible time. Yeah, yeah, and it's gonna happen. He's a young, you know, he's a young guy. He's a guy that. Um, if he started for Connor Williams next year, you you wouldn't notice him really. He'd make yeah. some play. He'd be like he he he'd get beat sometimes, and and the the like extreme cut everybody fans would go a little crazy. Right. But for the most part, none of us would even notice he was there. He wouldn't be great like like Martin, but he would be a damn good starter. We're gonna talk about stuff later when we get to uh, when we get later on in the, at, towards the end of the podcast, and McG uh, McGovern will be in there. So. Yeah, he had a bad game. It happens. You know, it's his, he hasn't even had 16 full starts. You know, he hasn't had a full season. So exactly, it, it's no big deal. You know, Mike, I'm right there with you. And what, what bothered me is before the game started, it showed the Cowboys players on the sidelines, and they were just sitting there on the bench and you know, looking uninspired with no energy. I thought they would have been up maybe dancing around trying to hype each other up. And you see them all there. I remember seeing the receivers sitting next to next to each other, and it's just like, you know, again, no energy, no, no life. It's like they almost like they were just ready to kind of get this game over with. So, uh, I blame I blame the slow start on the players as well. Yeah, I agree. It's a percentage thing, but the players have got to get the higher percentage. Absolutely. Well, Mike, when we're talking about the uh, last series, last offensive series of the uh, of the game, Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, Andy Dalton, or CD Lamb, who lost the game? I'm going to say, I know the question is about the last drive. Um, yeah. I am going to say that I, the reason I put it on McCarthy is because I believe he set up the team for failure um, by not challenging that Pettis catch. Mm -hmm. you, you're Even if they don't overturn it, you're talking about one timeout for three points, man. Like, you had two-minute warning and two timeouts still. Like, yeah. you, you've, you've got to use that timeout for three points because a field goal wins you the game. Your kicker's been kicking his ass off since the Baltimore game. And the one negative you could say about your offense is they stink at scoring red zone TDs. So mm -hmm. you just – you really set yourself back. You know, um, you allowed them to kick a 50-yard field goal because that – that it likely gets overturned. I'm not saying it's definite because, especially with Dallas, God, we know how the league is with us, but it likely gets overturned. Uh, the ball hit the ground pretty clear to everybody who watched it. So – you know, and if it doesn't, you know, they get a 50 yard kick and, and the, it's the same situation, but you could have saved them three points. And just knowing that, you know, that we know the outcome afterwards. So it's hard to do this. And I apologize because it's not fair because it's hindsight, but we got down in field goal range and we could have just made them use their timeouts, run the clock off and, and kick the field goal at the mm -hmm. end. You know, if he missed the field goal, he misses it, but that's your chance to win instead of having to force us to get in the end zone, which leads to a CD lamb drop who can be blamed mm -hmm. uh, Dalton's heave up interception who would be, if we made us pick the last drive, it would obviously I'd pick Dalton because he just can't do that. He took a sack. He, he threw the ball like up. You still had one more play. You can't just heave it and pray. Um, but it all set up with McCarthy not challenging that play and allowing Giants to kick a field goal instead of punting. Yeah, and uh, it kept it ne made us need a touchdown. Um, I'm not putting any of it on Moore. You know, Moore wasn't anything great, but you know he didn't drop the ball for Ceedee Lamb. He didn't make Dalton throw, take a sack, or throw the ball into the end zone for mm -hmm. an interception. So I take Moore off the board. Um, not a great game for him. I'm, I'm not keeping him but on that last drive not really anything i'd worry about from him um i put mike mccarthy because what he did to set it up 
and then Dalton because he made the final play that ended it. And then Lamb would be last. You know, don't drop it, but you know, drops happen. I, you know, it's what are you gonna do? Right. Well, Mike, for me, it's Andy Dalton. I hated the play calls by Kellen Moore. I feel like we, you've got to give the ball to Zeke at least once in that situation. And then, you know, we're going through the going through the plays here. First play was a sack. Second play, a drop by C.D. Lamb. That would have been a first down. That would have, I believe, would have uh, put us up first and goal at the seven. And then, man, you mentioned that the 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 YOLO ball in the end zone on the third play. It's like, well, Dalton, what are you doing? You had He had plenty of room to run. He just said, you know, screw it. I'm going to see if this works. It was absolutely pathetic. Yeah, it, it and it's a game ender. See, like. You can make mistakes. CeeDee Lamb's mistake didn't end the game, you know. Yeah. Uh, not going to Zeke, I totally agree with you. Like I said, I'm not exalting. Moore was not great this game. But, um, <clears throat> you know, getting him, uh, you know, that didn't end the game. Like, not giving it to Zeke didn't end the game. Dalton's play ended the game. Like, yeah, it was yeah. over. Right. Like, can you imagine if we only needed a field goal and that happened? Oh, my God. Just got so much crap. It stinks, too, because. If he just had a good, even if we lost, if he just played well and we ended up losing for a different reason, turnovers or or the defense didn't show up, he probably gets signed to a pretty decent contract to go somewhere, mm-hmm. and uh, and we get a better comp pick out of it. Now it's going to be a 50-50 on if he, you know, I still think he will because teams will see, you know, the O line stuff like that. But he definitely lost himself some money because, again, the narrative with him is in the big games. Can he win them? And, mm-hmm. and he showed up small, real small this game. Do you, do, would you want to bring Andy Dalton back on like a, a one-year, $3 million deal as a backup quarterback? I wouldn't mind. Yeah, that would be fine. He did fine. I don't mind Garrett Gilbert, though, either. He's a restricted free agent. So, you know, if we want him back, we can bring him back. So, you know, if it was really cheap, yeah, I don't mind Dalton coming back. If not, Gilbert's fine, too. I, I want Dak to be healthy. Just just give me that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You and I both. You know, Mike, you and I talked a little bit about this as it happened there on Twitter. And you know, looking back, should Dallas have gone for two after the Zeke touchdown in the third quarter? In in hindsight, obviously they should have, right? At the time uh, yeah. when we talked, I told you I'd have likely gone for two. Mm-hmm. Um, that that would have been my decision to cut it to a three-point game. My, my, but my, my little brother was like, ah, I, I don't mind it that, you know, I don't mind them going for one there. And the reason uh, being is because if you miss it, you're down five. So if the opposing team gets a field goal, now you're down eight and you have to go for two just to tie it. Whereas if you, you know, you make the uh, extra point, you're down four. If they come down and get a field goal, it's still a seven point game. And then you could tie it or go for the win if you want to like go crazy. Um, and it was in the third quarter. Most times you it's called we call it chasing points. You mm-hmm. chase points in the fourth. You don't really do it in the third. Uh, it was towards the end of the third. Like I said, I likely go for two there. I want to make it a field goal game. I, I don't trust how the offense looks. So I'm trying to, you know, get as many opportunities as at, at as many points as I can while I have them. So I, I likely go for two there. But I'm not kill. I'm not going to make it like that was a world-ending decision. And Mike McCarthy doesn't know what he's doing. Like, I think analytics-wise, even going for one was the right play. And I normally say stick to the analytics. So I would probably go against myself and do it. I told you that at the time. It's not fifty. Yeah, you did. You know, you sure on, did. On, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, the the likelihood is I go for two, but I'm not going to stand on a high horse and go Mike McCarthy's an idiot you know he's an idiot for not challenging that play that was stupid the two-point conversion is like I probably should have right you know what Mike you know could correct me if I'm wrong but I was under the impression I thought at that point um it was a 19 to 20 and you you mentioned that we would have uh been down by three instead of five is that right it was uh we would have no we would have been down by if we missed it we would have been down by five if we made the two point. We would have been down by three. Really? Because I thought after we had scored that it was um, it was uh, nineteen to twenty after after that after that. No, it was uh, when we scored the touchdown. It was uh, twenty to. We got another field goal. Sixteen, fifteen at the time. Twenty to fifteen. If we go for two, it would have been twenty seventeen. Gotcha, if gotcha. We, if we kick it in, it would have been 2016. So they, they went for the field goal, made it 2016, then later on came down to kick a field goal to make it uh, 
19 to 20, and then they kicked a field goal to make it 23-19. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, Mike, I just, um, you know, because of that, I, uh, you know, for some reason, I thought that made it 19-20 there in that sequence. So my my answer here doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but I just feel like whether it be a one-point lead or a 10-point lead, if you're leading, you're in control and you play a different game when you have that lead. So, you know, at the, at the time I was, I was just thinking, you know, why – What's the what's the difference in a one point lead and a three point lead? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was if it was a situation like that, they I would assume they would have gone for it, but um, but no, there, this was the the typically the decision has to do with do you trust your defense not to give up a field goal? You know, because if mm-hmm. you do, you can go for the two and not worry about it. You need a touchdown either way, right? Um, but I, I believe that at that time they said, okay, you're going, you have a whole fourth quarter and two minutes in the third. Mm-hmm. Do you believe your defense can stop them from not scoring anything? Well, no, not likely. And so they said, let's kick the one. At some point, they likely give up a field goal. At least that keeps us in the seven point realm. And then, uh, and then you can still tie the game and not need a two point conversion. The the logic's there. I, if if I'm I'm pretty sure at that point in the game, uh, they would have said go for the one and uh, analytics wise because it was early. But uh, it would have been close. It's 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 a really close call. And I would have probably gone for two. Whatever they went for one. It's it's not a overall. It's not a crazy decision. And I'm gonna throw a curveball at you here, Mike. Do you All feel right. that uh, Mike McCarthy, you know, played a little too safe this week? Oh man, I mean, you kind of you kind of have to. Looking, you know, we have the we have the hindsight to look at. Obviously, looking back, going for two was the was what you would want to do because that would have made it twenty to twenty three if you get it, and a field goal ties the game at the end. Uh, also, not. Uh, you know, calling for the challenge was conservative, you know, right. and um, so, yeah, I would say that he played conservative. Uh, I'm much more worried about not challenging that play, especially when it comes to, I just see, I, I don't see a great coach not being prepared for that scenario. Like, have you ever seen a time that Bill Belichick didn't know if he should throw the challenge or not, or if the right, it would be the right value, even if you didn't know. Like, oh, I can't, it's on the road. I can't get the replay. I don't have somebody like Bill Belichick would have somebody watching the live broadcast replay and in his ear going, challenge it or no. Now I need to know now. Mm-hmm. And and we had Mike McCarthy looking up the big board, hoping the home team shows a replay of the of the of they're not gonna do that. They're trying to protect their team. They don't want to show you and and let you see that it needed to be challenged. So, you know, a great coach, you know, we should have had that set up to where either he knew, hey, it's worth throwing the challenge because three points compared to a timeout is a value you want to use. Or he had somebody in the booth going, I can see the TV coffee. It's worth challenging. Sit, throw it. Don't let them call a play. You know, and the, the fact that we didn't have that says something about how we're set up during the game, which mm-hmm. I, I don't like that. You know, I thought there was also a play there when we were uh... – had a drive going and it got to fourth and one or fourth and two instead of going for it that we um that we decided to punt the ball which which I felt like you know probably the smart call at the time but at the same time you know seeing how Mike McCarthy has been aggressive all year for him not to go for it was kind of surprising do you remember that yeah I do because I was because me and my little brother were, were both going fake punt fake yeah punt right here right and the, and we were like and and we were like we should just run a play because teams know we're fake punting, so this so it's probably not going to work because they're everybody's. There was a, literally a punt where their team stood up in like a defensive formation. If you go back and watch their front seven, it doesn't go like they're rushing. They stand up like okay, get into a to cover your zones, right? Because that you know everybody just suspects a a a fake with us, which is great because we get better. Our gunners get better uh, uh, shots down the field, you know, uh, to to get stops inside the ten and and to make people call fair catch. So that's nice, but you know, just sometimes fourth and two, just run the play instead of fake punting. Yeah, the, there was just, I mean, of course, again, you, like you said, hindsight being twenty twenty. I'm just looking back and not trying to nitpick, but there were just a couple of plays where I was surprised at the conservative play calling. Yeah, no, he he was. They were conservative this game. I don't know. Um, 
this game felt very Garrett like, which made me feel so gross. I mentioned it on the pods yeah. <laughs> that that you know they just they went on the road. They were conservative on the road. Yeah, they, they got off to a bad start. Like mm-hmm. it, it felt like the 2019 all over again. This game did. Yeah, and uh, you know it just it, it was bad. I, I I had a I had a worry that they were gonna think that we could roll our helmets out and beat them. And it had that sort of feel to it, you know, so super gross. Yeah, well, credit to the Giants defense. They've really made some strides this year. And one player that's had a really good season is Mr. Leonard Williams. What were your thoughts on his performance? Uh, he did great. Where do you have three sacks on us? Yeah, um, but like two and a half for three, yeah. Yeah, he just – he kicked ass. He was he was really good. Um, yeah, I just I, – I, I think – there, there was there. They weren't ready. That that line that we have is a solid bunch of of backups and can get you through some games. And and uh, and you want to have them on your team, mm-hmm. you know, to rotate in. You you feel pretty comfortable. But also when they run into Lawrence Tomlinson, Leonard Williams, they're going to have issues if they're your guys, especially all in at once. People forget like. If you put Brandon Knight out there with Collins and Beatus and Martin and stuff, and you could just lean guys his way, he'll be fine. But you know, you got to worry about Terrence Steele. You got to worry about Connor McGovern. You know, you got to worry about Joe Looney. Mm-hmm. And then you have Leonard Williams going against Brent, an injured Brandon Knight on the one end, and it's just it's man, it makes it rough. So you know, when you get guys like that, that's what Leonard Williams should do. Great players should take advantage of of those opportunities, and he did. I'd agree. I mean, he was just absolutely dominant. There's really no other way to put it. And you mentioned Connor McGovern. He couldn't stop him. Nobody on our offensive line could stop him. He was just dominant from beginning to end. Yeah, he 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 kicked ass this this year. He's uh, he has career eyes and sacks, tackles for loss, QB hits. Uh, he had 13 sacks, uh, 14 tackles for loss. He's good versus the run. The Giants are 10th in rushing yards allowed and sixth in yards per carry. So. Yeah, he, he had a hell of a year, and and uh, I think Giants would actually be smart to uh, to try and bring him back. I don't know if they're going to, but I, I think it'd be a good move. Well, you know, perfect transition to the next question, Mike. Should Leonard Williams get a big payday? If, like I said, if I'm the Giants, I mean, you know, it's a one year thing. So you have to worry, you know, uh, uh, a career year, you know, uh, uh, going into a contract year, but man, I mean, what do you career high in sacks, tackles for a loss, QB hits. He was, he had his third highest total in tackles. He, you know, the defense went from one of the worst to, uh, uh, a middle ground defense. Like they were a solid defense for, for a few weeks, even, uh, they were one of the better defenses when they were going on their run of a few. Uh, I think they won four straight or something like that. But you knock in if, if you're asking, do you want a guy that had 13 sacks, 14 tackles for a loss, and your run defense with him as the main anchor? I mean, I think people would say he, he's the best of the three of Tomlinson and, and Dexter. And the run defense was 10th in rush yards allowed and 6th in yards per carry. I, I think he has. I, I think he's earned a big payday, at least from them. You know, uh, I wouldn't bring him in. He's not what we need for mm-hmm. for us, in my opinion. But he's a big-time player for them right now. And, and I would try to keep him if I'm Joe Judge. I want him on my team. Yeah, and you remember on our uh... – our guest interview, J.P. Purcelli, was just talking about how they have good pieces on the defensive line, and when you go to the draft, you just really need to bring in a, a guy to set the edge there. However, I really think that uh, it starts kind of with Leonard Williams because of his versatility where he can help you in the run, and also he's proven this year that he can also uh, get to the pa- get to the passer as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I did not expect to see him, and I thought it was 11 and a half, but another uh, site had him at 13, so he must have got some half sacks, you know, with people. So he's between 11 and a half at some sites and 13 on others, but that from Leonard Williams is shocking because he plays a lot of defensive end, but he's really a DT, and he, I never thought of him as a pressure defensive tackle, like an Aaron Donald type defensive tackle, but you get you get 13 sacks from that position that that's excellent work so that's like big time money contract work so good for him i hate yeah. him though because he's a giant yeah and uh you know good for the giants to to get him for just a third round pick 
Yeah, what a pickup, man. Can we get that for Quentin Williams, please? I'll give oh you a goodness. second. Yeah, you know, for a second. I wonder if uh if the New York Giant New York Jets, excuse me, were actually willing to trade Quentin Williams for a second, or if that was just an attempt to get conversation started. It's like, well, a second round pick is just a uh way to uh the start of the negotiations, but we'd want Michael Gallup in a second round or Connor McGovern, Michael Gallup in a second rounder or something like that. Yeah, it's just just too much for a you know I you know how much I want a one technique on this team and how valuable I think it is, but the position just isn't worth you know a second and a a you know a pretty damn good young receiver. That's just too much. It, you're going into the final year with Gallup. Maybe if they, you know, I wouldn't really like it because I just think positional value wise, I, I think. Gallup does more I'd rather just draft or sign somebody for nothing Mm -hmm. but if you went through the draft and couldn't get a one technique and free agents you know shunned you and you were going in looking at Antoine Woods as your starter and Gallimore rotating over and they said well you drafted a wide receiver you have Cedric Wilson do you want to go Quentin Williams for Gallup straight up I would have to consider it more than I'd like to I would I would have to think about it because this team needs a one technique that bad i mean they they need one very very badly you know i feel like quinn and williams would be a better asset to this team than michael gallup and of, of course i love michael gallup it's just you know uh seeing how bad our run defense is and seeing what he's able to do only in his second year and then adding him to a, a line with randy gregory and demarcus lawrence and tristan hill and neville gallimore man that's pretty exciting I know, but can't they just go out and sign Damon Tomlinson? Damon Tomlinson? Tomlinson. But sign, just sign him. Then you can keep Gallup and you don't have to worry about it. Or, or Pinnell or draft Tyler Shelvin. Like, you know, losing a uh, – I don't understand their need to, like, lose a value piece to gain a value piece. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially positional value-wise. Like – if they valued the position correctly, like they devalue it is the problem. And so if they valued it correctly, they would have a guy there and not have to worry about giving up a damn good receiver for him because a, a third receiver like Gallup should impact more than, uh, than what you would be upgrading to Quentin Williams. So if you value the p- position regularly, you would go, well, this guy that we have here is not going to give you more value uh compared to Quentin Williams than we we're going to get from Michael Gallup. But because they're so bad at valuing the position, Quentin Williams is like superstar difference because we don't have a basic level guy. We have mm-hmm. a, a below, a well below level uh, one technique. So when you see a, a good to great one, it's like, oh, what a leap. But if you just had an average one and you had a guy that could do the basic job of a one technique – and then you said, well, would you get Gallup to upgrade? Well, no, we have a good enough one. We'll try to get one in the draft. But because we're so deficient at it, and it was the same thing with safety. We're so deficient at it that we're trying to give up big assets to bring them in when it really shouldn't be necessary if we just did the front office job correctly. Right. Yeah, I'm curious. You bring up a good point here, Mike. Are there is there such thing as an elite one technique? Uh, man, that's, that's tough. Uh, there has been, is there one now? Possibly Quentin Williams, pretty damn good one. I honestly would have to go through the teams, but there's, there's been some, some one techniques that, that fit in schemes that where the linebackers are really, really great. Like Ray Lewis has had some one techniques that have been amazing. Um, what's the, God, what is the, uh, the Patriots guy, Will, Will, um, Vince Wilfork, Vince Wilfork. Oh yeah. God. He was so good and never got sacks, never did anything like that. You just couldn't move him. So you weren't, you weren't able to do anything in the middle. He basically eliminated the middle of the, and that's what you want him to do. I don't, I don't care if he knows how to do a pass rush move. Tyler Shelvin, man, over six foot, like 362 pounds takes on double teams all day. Plug, get him in in round three and plug him in there, and have yourself a a life. And then Antoine Woods, 
can play like 20 snaps there. You know how good Antoine Woods would be if you only had to play 20 snaps at that spot? Mm-hmm. He would be a damn good it's, – it's when he gets over 30 snaps is when he starts to really get, you know, beat up and, and it, it, the production dies off. So just value it. As a front office, value the position correctly, and it's not that hard. To, it honestly isn't that hard to fill if you value it correctly. But they don't – they well undervalue it, and it, and it shows year in and year out with this team. It shows all the time. Oh my God! I want you, I don't want to get you all fired up and have you going on on another uh, <laughs> TT I'm rant. Myself. <laughs> so let's move on here. How much did Leonard Williams stepping on Andy Dalton's hand affect the rest of his performance? Did he do it in pregame? No, he didn't. Okay, then then I'm not putting any of it on that. The guy was three for six with 16 yards in the first quarter. Like he was terrible. So I'm not going to blame the Leonard Williams hand. And it wasn't even his throwing hand; it was off hand. So it made him hand the ball off with his with his off hand sometimes. Like, I'm not putting that, you know, that's not the reason he yoloed it at the end of the game. Yeah. So no, that's that's not my thing. I have I have is Dalton was 29 for 47. Jesus, we had him throw 47 times. 243 yards, no touchdowns, interception. He got sacked six times for 44 yards, 42.8 QBR. Ugh. That's not about a, a stepping on hand. He yeah. was terrible from the start. He was worried about his O-line. He was watching the pass rush. And then at the end, you know, uh, uh, I think it was in the third quarter, early fourth, he got his hand stepped on. Like, I'm not putting that on 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 Leonard Williams' hand step on. Andy Dalton stunk well before that. I just feel like anytime a 300-pound guy steps on your hand, especially with shoes that have spice on them, it's going to affect you. Maybe not physically because, like you mentioned, it wasn't his throwing hand. Because, But, you know, I did notice that after that, he did start to uh, rely on his legs a little bit more and start to hand off the ball more. I do feel that Dalton showed a lot of toughness coming back and, and giving it his all. But, you know, you make a good point. He didn't get his hand stepped on in the first quarter. In the first half, he was perfectly healthy, and we saw how he performed. Yeah, yeah. It's you know Andy Dalton led us in rushing yards. Andy My goodness. Dalton led us in rushing yards. Oh, I, well, I'd like to know what the game plan was this week because it was, uh, you know, just I mean I know Andy Dalton wasn't good, and we we kind of had a bit of a discussion there with Tim Latero there on uh, during the game and everything, but we just. I don't know. It, it seemed like we were just way too conservative. I, I can't really explain it, but some of these calls were, were some bad play calls, and, of course, the execution didn't help. But, man, it was just weird. I, I, I thought that we were going to come out there and and really run over them. I thought we were going to put on a, a big offensive performance, and I didn't think it was going to really be that close of a game. And, boy, was I wrong. Yeah, I know. that, that It was bad. Tim. Tim with the Moore stuff. Why, why does he hate Kel- – Kellen Moore is a pretty good offensive coordinator. I, I mean, I'm not saying he's like, you know, Sean McVay or anything, but he's a damn good offensive coordinator. Like, he had this mass, terrible unit of offensive line, Andy Dalton, 12th in the league in offense. Like, mm-hmm. what do you want that guy to do? Yeah. And he was like saying, oh, he's another Garrett. I'm like, dude, Garrett was 31st. He was only worse than Jets. And and his cover wasn't bare. I mean, it's basically saying you only care about wide receiver. Like, uh, I understand our wide receivers are better, but, like, he had his quarterback healthy. Like, mm-hmm. Daniel Jones, for what he is, I'm not saying he's Dak Prescott, but he's their starting quarterback, and he only missed a couple games. Yeah. Now, they won a game with Colt McCoy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had he – had, you know, his O-line was pretty much intact the whole year. Like, you know – and 31st, just crazy. I mean, I think Kellen Moore would be like a top 20 offense if you threw him in the Giants, had him, you know, had Danny Dimes mobility and, and uh, Golden Tate and Slayton and Shepard and, and uh, Ingram. you know, Goldman and Ingram. Like, mm-hmm. you put those guys out there, you know, Schultz was a guy that we, that, that, uh, oh, what is her name? Cowboys break. Um the late she does the art. She's awesome. Ambar Garcia. Mm-hmm. Ambar Garcia wanted to cut Dalton Schultz, and he was he may have been a Pro Bowler this year. Yeah, Kellen Moore doesn't get any credit for that, right? Like, I, and I'm not overly like if we lost more, I wasn't like oh my god, the world's gonna end. Uh, you know, he's a good offensive coordinator. I think in a couple of years he could be a really great one. 
But he was like, it was like when we talked to people that didn't like Dak. And I'm like, well, Moore's pretty good, like 12th, you know, this and that. And they're like, oh, no, he's terrible. He's like, well, we, we'd have been better without him. I'm like, man, I, I I don't know about all that. Tim, I love you, man. You're one of my favorites. But that was that was not good takes there. You got to you gotta get that more hate out your heart. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by it. Uh, you know, Tim is definitely one of the more uh, level-headed, logical Cowboys fans. And I, I was really surprised that uh, that he if, if his dislike for Kellen Moore. Yeah, it wasn't like a, I'm not sure about him. It was a we're better off without him. And I was like, damn, that's that's harsh. I think Kellen Moore has done a pretty good job. Um, you know, our offense was top three last year. And, uh, and, you know, uh, uh, he had to, he had this mass unit offensive line. Like everybody goes down his quarterback, the stud quarterback goes down. He basically had three wide receivers, a broken down Zeke and one offensive lineman starting yeah. for him. That was his starters that were left. And he had a 12 top 12 offense going into last week. I don't know what it is now, but top 12, like credit, credit to more. Sorry, Tim, but, but more has got to get some credit for that. Absolutely. I, I'd agree 100%. I can't even imagine what this team would have looked like if, if Garrett had still been the the uh, head coach here. Oh. But, <laughs> I don't want to get us on a Garrett rant. No. So let's move along. You know, was it bittersweet seeing your boy Xavier McKinney make the season-ending play? No, uh, he's a giant now, so I hate him. I don't you know. He was, he was an all right draft. I also, that whole thing with every mock draft, having them draft him at 17, like every big guy, and I'm like, we've never drafted a safety higher than the sixth round, and you expect us to take a guy that's a borderline one-two guy at 17? That's what you think is going to happen? Mm-hmm. But they just don't value the position then, and that annoyed me. I I I said it all every time I'd see one, Mel Kiper and 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 McShay and everybody, every guy on TVs draft board they were like we got to mix it up this and that and then when it come to dallas everyone xavier mckinney there was one that had like cd lamb you know and occasionally but there was seriously like four out of every five mckinney was the not even a different safety it was always mckinney so it annoyed me um i like the player a lot uh but he's a giant so he can burn in hell and uh, i hated the mock draft so it kind of a, it soured me towards them because every time I saw the name, I was like, oh, what is it? A freaking Dallas mock draft at 17? And they, they, everybody took them. It irritated me. I'm, I'm in a rant mode, man. I'm like, I'm, I don't know what it is. Just everything irritates me. I hate Tim. I hate Xavier McKinney. I hate everything. I hate everybody. Oh, well, it's, you know, I hate to see you be on edge, Mike, but. At the same time, it, it is uh, it is amusing because I know that you're you're not a hateful person. Man, I have you fooled. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it was just you know he comes back from injury, he ends our season. That's about as Cowboys as it gets, Mike. Yes, yeah, see, uh, this this will tell you everything you need to know about me with Xavier McKinney. Had no idea he was hurt. Oh, really? Yeah, I, did, I honestly, I'm not going to lie, I didn't either. Yeah, I, so I didn't know either. Said, they announced right there. It. I was this many years old when I found out Xavier McKinney came back from injury for this game. <laughs> well, Mike, what? Uh, and uh, I'm going to give credit for this next question to my beautiful wife Hannah. She wanted to. Uh, she wanted us to discuss this. What do you think the Cowboys coaches and players can take from this season that they can use next season, Mike? Hey, this was my favorite uh, question of the show sheet. I did a whole page on on just this uh this thing which i'll run through uh uh quickly but i i did i broke it down as positives and negatives uh positives wilson and Diggs are two big pieces of the 2021 secondary lamb was a home run first round pick uh 74 receptions 935 yards five tds 12.6 yard per catch average schultz is a tight end one capable player should have been to the pro bowl i'll match these two up for you ready Six both had 63 receptions. One had 615 yards, one had 654. The one who had 615 yards had four touchdowns. The one who had 654 had one TD. Uh, Ingram, the pro bowler, was the one with one touchdown. Schultz is the one with four touchdowns. So, I mean, he 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 put up 
really better numbers than the Pro Bowl tight end in the NFC this year. So mm-hmm. um, that's a positive going forward. The O-line depth, I look at the team, I go Tyron, Sewell, Beatis, Martin, Collins are the starters. You have Knight, uh, McGovern, and Steele as you're for sure coming back next year. And then you could bring back uh, Irving uh, and Looney. So the offensive line looks really, really strong if they stay healthy. Negatives, red zone TD efficiency has got to be worked on. 29th in red zone TD percentage is god-awful. They need to do something about that. Uh, even worse, they have a massive need at the one technique. And I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that because I'll get into a rant. Uh, safety next to Wilson needs to be upgraded. I know we've had this joke about J. Lou, but hopefully that can end after this last game. We, we can never talk about him being our starting safety again. And Xavier Woods just needs to be upgraded from. He's not very good. He can move on from that spot. So that's my positives and negatives. Get a safety, get a one technique, do better in the red zone. Lots of positives you can take from it. I'm, I'm very happy about that. So what you got? For me, I've got evaluation and motivation, Mike. For the coaches, I think they can look at the tape and evaluate. They can look around the locker room and evaluate. Who was practicing hard? Who wasn't? Who was leave, leaving it all out on the field and who wasn't? Who were the team guys? Who were the me guys? And for the players, uh, at least the right ones, can use this as motivation. I, I feel like especially the younger guys. CeeDee Lamb, I, I doubt he's accustomed to losing. What is he going to do to get better? Trayvon Diggs, he's not accustomed to losing. What is he going to do to get better? Yep, I like it. The young guys need to see what they can improve on. And uh, evaluation is critical because I just can't see going into the the year like wanting to have Xavier Woods back after what, you know, he said and mm-hmm. stuff that went on, you know. Uh, yeah, so you got to go through and, and look at the guys who really picked it up, especially the last three years. I mean, the last three games they won, uh, who made the big strides of the young people because you want to make sure they get their snaps and you really harp on them what they need to do. Um, I remember Lakers, when they came in, they they uh, they got LeBron and LeBron got hurt and they had all these young guys and they had their exit m- interviews and they told them everything they needed to line up to do. And I watch them now on the Pelicans when they're traded. You could see that B.I. took that stuff to heart, like, Dallas needs to do that. You need to have their exit interviews and go Gallimore. You're probably not going to be a three technique the way this is built up. We have Hill going. Uh, we might bring somebody in or a draft pick. You're probably going to be a rotational three technique and a rotational one technique, a guy that can come in on pass rush. You need to bulk up some. You know, they need to do stuff like that and get the roster ready, not knowing what's coming in the offseason with the draft and free agency. Absolutely, I would agree, and I, uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely excited only because we saw what kind of draft that we had with this coaching staff in the front office, and then we saw how this team dealt with adversity with this coaching staff. So I do think that there is a bright future, especially with getting back Dak Prescott. What I am, um, you know, most I shouldn't say worried, but what I'm, you know, really wanting to see is what personnel changes are we going to make? Yeah. I agree. I want to see what they do with Nolan. Pretty much Nolan. What are we going to do with Nolan now that we know Kellen Moore is there and staying, which I never thought was going to happen. Good good job by the Jones family to pay him off. But see what you're going to do with Nolan because, like I said, I'm not advocating to fire him, but he probably needs to be fired. You know, you just mm-hmm. can't be 32nd rank. Not only 32nd rank versus a run. But we were worse in the league giving up touchdowns to wide receivers. So any way you wanted to go at it, you could hit us. Yeah, I um, I wouldn't be mad if Mike Nolan got, got fired at the same time, seeing how the defense did start to become, uh, you know, uh, able to get turnovers and how they didn't quit on them and how they performed. I felt like he at least gets a chance at one more year. But if they do decide to fire him, I, I won't be upset. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm curious as to how they're going to handle that situation as well. Yeah, I, I want to see. I, I, and this whole, like, it'll probably be the next couple of weeks. Why? Be the first one out there looking at new defensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. Get, it, get it done now. Make decisions in the next couple of days, not next couple of weeks. It's not Cabo time. Is there a guy, Mike, that, you know, you, you would like to see here in Dallas next year? 
Uh, I actually like moving up the the Edwards kid we have. Now that I know Fangio staying in Denver, move up the guy from uh, Minnesota. He he, in the years there, he was 2014 and 2019. He had like four top ten uh, yards and points finishes. He was first one year. He's a good defensive coordinator, and he learned under Zimmer, and his style fits our personnel. So that's who I would go with. And is he uh, is he a, a name right there on the market as of today? Well, you can move him up. We we have him on our staff. Oh, okay. I thought you were I thought you were saying because I heard you say move him up, but then you talked about him learning under Zimmer. So I thought you were saying that he was uh, with Minnesota. But what is his position as of right now? Assistant defensive coordinator. He's I like right, he's like the main assistant. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm always happy to to uh, promote guys from within, especially, you know, I always like to have that familiarity as opposed to trying to re- relearn an entire new system or, you know, having to get to know somebody and new coaching stuff and things like that. If there's a, a guy who's qualified and, you know, might be uh, liked by the players and everything, of course, I'd rather make that move. Yeah, me too. I like him. I think he's he's qualified. Well, so, Mike, you know, here we are. We're going to be wrapping things up. What is your uh, one word to describe the Cowboys' performance yesterday? Discouraging because, like I said before, it felt like Jason Garrett all over again. So I didn't like that they came out like like they were supposed to win. They just didn't play well. The quarterback didn't play well. They They didn't show up. So for me, it was discouraging. Again, Mike, with the with the word that I actually know this week, I sure do appreciate it. Yeah, I tried to find a better one, but discouraging just felt right. It fits, and it's funny that you use that word because I was thinking about using it as well. However, I use typical, and as a Cowboys fan, I should be used to it, Mike, but we start the game off slow, typical. Our coach mismanaged the game, typical. We get down by double digits early in a game, typical. We mount a comeback only to fall short at the end. It's typical, Mike. Yeah, typical is a great word. It's it. It felt like 2019, let alone 2020 season, and that stinks. As a Cowboys fan, you you hope to see improvement in that area. Yeah, you, you would. Well, Mike, you know, here we are. We're getting towards the end of the episode, but I did want to ask you. We we haven't uh, haven't had one of these in a little while, so you know, sticking with the Giants, we see the moves that they made in the offseason. They they have Leonard Williams. I know they acquired him last year, but they uh, they bring him back. They sign Blake Martinez, tackling machine and linebacker. And then they also go out and get James Bradbury, a, a veteran cornerback. And those three moves seem to be a big difference makers for that defense this year. Do you look at those moves and, and think that if the Cowboys were to do something similar, that we could see a light and day type of defense? Oh, yeah. They get a one technique, get a cornerback, get a safety, and strap it up. If, if you do those three things, I'm, I'm ready to go into the next year. You can run it back offensively. So sign a, I would, I would really like to sign a one technique if they could, because college players, sometimes it takes them a year to kind of get their strength up to the NFL level and get used to it. And we need a guy that can really, really plug right now. Mm-hmm. And then a cornerback opposite digs would be amazing. Um, that could be in the draft or uh, or free agency. And then a safety. I would like to get a safety of both spots because I want to have three safeties so that we can play big nickel correctly. So, yeah, I think you get you get me a corner, a safety, and a one technique, and I'm ready to go. Couldn't agree with you more, Mike. Well, Mike, as always, I appreciate the discussion. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the offseason. Well, while we're getting you out of here, let remind everybody where we can find you out on Twitter. At CD Piglet, guys, nice and easy. And, guys, again, I am Paul Ryan, and you can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. We appreciate you guys joining us, and we will see you all next week.